The domestic season may be over, but of course we still have the Champions League to come and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, then with the Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. City are off to Lisbon after a, let's be honest, pretty comfortable showing against Real Madrid this weekend. So welcome to today's Why Always Us, where we'll be discussing what made Pep Guardiola's team look more at home in the Champions League. I'm David Mooney, with me is Sam Lee. Hello. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, good, good. Looking forward to what comes next. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Well, right now we're offering listeners of this show the opportunity to try out The Athletic for free. You can enjoy all of Sam's great writing on City just as the team bids to win the Champions League. You can also enjoy recent articles like the one on Phil Foden, the Stockport Iniesta, as he's been dubbed, and the inside story on how City signed Nathan Ake. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod to sign up for a 30-day free trial. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Uh, so, Sam, let's start with that game on Friday night because I thought that was uh, a performance of a team that finally, finally looked like they belonged in the competition. Yeah, I think so. Uh, confidence and belief and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, sometimes it's it's maybe easy to go overboard on or attribute even if it's not there. But I know I think it was that kind of performance. Uh, you know, even getting off to a an early start, I was watching it and thinking, well, Madrid are going to have a spell, obviously, and it'll be how City deal with that. And then Madrid scored, and you think, right, okay, so we will see now. And, you know, there was a, a few you know, grumbles going into half time about how City were doing. Um, and Madrid had a bit of a spell in the second half. But, like, for all of that, like, nothing really materialised as far as Madrid's threat went. You know, City looked quite comfortable. I was going to say, um, apart, apart from the goal, it was kind of like all at arm's length, wasn't it? It was quite, it was, quite well managed. It was it was very well managed. And I think that's going back to what what you said about you know City looking, you know, kind of at home and it being a, a top European performance because it was in the sense that the mentality was there and they they didn't crumble under that pressure of you know a top team having the ball because obviously with City and particularly in the Premier League they've they've always got the ball and I don't think they've always coped too well in spells when the other team have got it particularly when you know the other team happens to be one of the best in the world and that's what's been one of their problems in Europe. Um, but on the other hand, you've also got a kind of, you know, a different side to Guardiola's game tactically. Obviously, he's done this in the league. If you think back to the nil-nil draw at Anfield uh, last last season, I suppose if we call it that, <laughs> when he kind of, you know, shot up shot, but still had the ball, but, you know, don't make any mistakes, you know, stay together, stay compact, use the ball intelligently, don't give it away in stupid areas. And I think they've really taken that into the Champions League. We saw that in the first leg against Tottenham last season. It's a difficult example to make because obviously City lost. Um, but it, that's exactly what they tried to do. They set out to keep a tight game and obviously win it. And they had the penalty and they arguably should have won it. They were unlucky to lose it, certainly. Um, and I wondered, will he keep that going forward? And I think we've seen that in the two games against Madrid. He has. You know, it's a much more intelligent performance. They're not just they're not just getting the ball and going through the throat and trying killer passes that leave them wide open and getting counter-attacked on. Um 
and I suppose the only time that did happen was in the first leg when they gave the ball away in their own box, in their own half, and Madrid scored their goal. And you think, okay, that's the you know that's the the kind of the killer at this level, but that just goes to show how well City did over the 180 minutes. That didn't keep happening. You know, that was just one mistake and it got punished. So it's a reminder going into the future games of what can happen. But if you look at the other 179 minutes, you've got to think that is the blueprint now that they, they should follow. And I'm sure it is. You know, I'm not. I'm sure they won't go and play Leon and try and, you know, try and outscore them, try and blitz them. They, they, I'm sure they'll play in much the same way. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that, that struck me and like watching the game and watching the confidence with which like City played the ball around and, and the confidence in which they had in, in the system that Guardiola was using and, you know, the, the, the way they were playing. Um, do, uh, when you think back to that Amazon documentary and, and Amazon were pushing the clips out on social all, all week in the build-up yeah. to it. Um, so, like, using Guardiola's words, are City fucking believers now? Um, no, I'm not sure that they're like fully, fully there because you know the the context of that quote was the only difference between City and Barcelona and and Real Madrid is is that um uh, you you don't you don't get that level of belief you know in in one game or even you know the, the two legged tie um but yeah I mean they they're certainly believing that they can do it now I think I think they'll they'll go to Madrid in you know, in high spirits. I don't think they'll be thinking, of, I don't think they'll be worrying about what about this and what about that. I think they'll be going there thinking we can play our game, we can win this and then we'll see what happens. I'm sure that's how they'll be approaching it. So, and yeah, in terms of the belief, they, they've needed a result like that. And, you know, there, there have been a few over the years. You know, if you think back to Pellegrini's last season, obviously when they went to the semi-finals, I remember that game in, in Sevilla when they looked really good and I thought that was probably the best European performance up until that point in terms of a complete performance. Um, and then, you know, just getting the results against PSG um, along the way, there was those. But I, I think these have I think these have definitely been the best performances of the Guardiola era. And I think given the, the opposition, I know it's not the best Real Madrid, but it's still a very good Real Madrid. And if they didn't look great, then I think that's had a lot to do with how well City played. So I do think these are probably... City's best, certainly best performances under Guardiola, and I think best performances quite possibly in the Champions League in general. I um, think I think it's the best knockout. Yeah, I think I think it's the best knockout performances uh, for sure. And even when you think back to the group stages, the uh, even back in the day when when they pulled off the you know the win against Roma or the win against Bayern Munich when they really needed to win. The, it, it, what the, the performances were not on a level like we saw on, on Friday night, and, I, and I'm, I'm starting to feel a lot more confident about this team in the Champions League because of yeah. it. It's, it's... And they looked, and they looked it as well, didn't they? Like, yeah. Carl, I mean, well, I'm sure we'll talk about Carl Walker, but he just, he just looked in complete control. And I think, speaking of best performances of whatever era, I think that's Walker's best performance for City. I can't think of anything other, any other that comes that close. He's obviously had good ones, but I think that was, that was the best one. And they just looked. They looked in control. I mean, like Foden was the first one to come off and it was a bit disappointing in the end, but I don't think there was anything disappointing about his performance. Uh, you know, like even like Foden didn't look overawed and I think you don't really expect that from him now. But to be fair, like it, it is easy to kind of romanticise Foden a bit and I suppose I'm not the best person to say that having written a 6,000 <laughs> article about how great he is. But, you know, there have been games. I haven't actually mentioned his performances in the article, but there have been games, you know, United before the lockdown and Leicester with that company goal and... And there's been other games where he's played and he's not he's not done brilliantly. So there was no guarantee that he was going to, you know, thrive in that role. But he did, you know, he he did it perfectly. And, you know, he could have had a greater impact on the game if we're thinking about the Gundogan one in the second half where he passed instead of shot. You know, he could have had a, an assist there or at least had a big part in a goal. Um, yeah, everybody just looked 
yeah, more or less everybody just looked like they knew exactly what they needed to do. I mean, the only problems would have been, I suppose, um, the Jesus and Sterling tendency to not score their chances. But again, it's that microcosm of the whole season because they were the ones who actually scored the goals. But then you think, well, they could have scored more. So yeah. it's that strange scenario again. But yeah, like the 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 Gundogan pass more than anything else, where where it, it just like it was just honestly, I was I was screaming at the television, just put your foot through it. You're in the perfect position to hit it. Yeah. Um, you was that the chance where uh, the data analysis guys were going spare on the touchline as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because well, you got was, you got quite a bit of insight from that, but from being able to hear them, I guess. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, so. I think I mentioned this before, but I'd, and I mentioned some stuff after the the Arsenal game in the very first game back, and I was right behind the City subs, and it was just great. Like it was just great to see what they were talking about, and you know how they were with each other or whatever. And then I don't know, maybe as a result of that, and writing about it and talking about it, they City put me in a completely different seat for like every <laughs> other game. And I actually asked like two or three times, "Can I go back in Block E?" But I was literally in the furthest block away. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't put me in Old Trafford or something. Um, but fortunately, the city analysts are still like they're probably they're probably closer. Well, if I'd have been in Block B, they'd have been right behind. But on a night like Friday, they were like the atmosphere was great inside the stadium, which I know is so mad to say. And I think that's obviously like a, a relatively great because it's. I'm not saying it's as good as if there were fans there, but considering what you'd expect from a behind closed doors game, the atmosphere was great. You know, with the Madrid bench and and Ramos, you know, they were appealing for everything and like urging the team on. And you know, the city subs were obviously half a mile away from where I was by this point, but. The analysts were closer, and yeah, Carlos Panchart was fantastic. Like just the way he was urging everyone on, but yeah, there was the real frustration um, with that Gundogan chance. I can't remember exactly what he said, but I think it was just a general frustration. But like by the end, you know, he, he couldn't sit down; he was pacing up and down. It, 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 it just really kind of put that um, that that tenseness of the game across, you know. That that that's what kind of created that atmosphere. The fact that there was just so much riding on everybody was, you know, proper fighting for it. even the players, the people who weren't playing, even if they weren't players, they were proper fighting for everything. Um, and yet, I mean, to go back to that that Gundogan one where he passed, it's kind of the the classic City miss because obviously City create a lot of chances like out of nothing and they score or they don't score. Where like the first goal. Um, obviously after nine minutes when they pressured Varane and all of a sudden it was, oh, chance, great goal. And the same against Arsenal in the semi-final at Wembley they, when they won the ball inside the box, but they didn't score. And then obviously after that, you go, oh, that was a chance. But normally with City, their chances, they're not out of nothing, are they? They're like, they're running a goal and they've got like, I don't know whether it's four against three or three against two or even three against three, but you've got a good five, ten seconds to process City have got a chance here. If they score this, it's it's done. They seem to have those so often, and they can, seem to have about kind of three get, or four yeah, of those. You can see the step by step process, can't you? Say, oh, he's going to release it now, and then he'll pass it across the box now, and then it'll be either missed or yeah. slotted in. Yeah, and, and but it's just like, and obviously, every, everybody knows from watching football, it could only be three seconds. But in those three seconds, you've got so much time to formulate in your head how big a chance this is, what it means for the game, what it means for the tie, what it means for the future. It all happens so quickly. And City have so many of those where you're just thinking, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. And then I don't want to say normally they miss it, but it feels like normally they miss it. It does and that season. And that's what I yeah, and that's what I mean by this type of chance. They've got so much time that it makes it more frustrating for people. And I think the more frustrating it is, the more you remember it. And it makes you feel like they miss more of those chances than they score. Because 
you remember it developing and then you remember the frustration when it doesn't happen. And yeah, that happened a lot, you know, with Sterling bursting into the box in the first half. Um, the Gundogan one way past the Sterling. I remember there was a great De Bruyne pass just after half time that set Sterling in. It was like a couple of minutes after half time, maybe not even that. And Courtois saved it, but you just think this is this is a real chance. There was a few times when I think Sterling was in the box and he slipped Cancelo in and Cancelo took an extra couple of touches. Bernardo, when he came on, took an extra couple of touches. And that's why I just I say the Gundogan one is the the perfect example because you've got that time to develop and you think this is it. It's, it's going to be a goal. And then it's not. You've got the frustration of that. And you've also got that kind of overthinking element yeah. where it's like, you just know somebody's going to take an extra touch, whether they're dribbling it and they're trying to dummy it around the keeper or something. They they either do that or it's an extra pass. Um, so that's the only kind of, you know, I suppose frustration from the night and going back to the analysts, that's that's the kind of frustration that, that you obviously tap into and you know that they're on the same page as everybody else, of course, because, you know, they, they want the best for City. And when you you know, sit near them on a game like Friday night where it's so important and they're all so on edge. And when you think about Kyle Walker, you know, nobody needed to tell Kyle Walker anything all night. He knew exactly what he was doing. But Planchart was like shouting at Cancelo all the time, particularly in the last half an hour, I guess, just, you know, the switch on, you know, he's behind you, be alert, go and press him, close him down, come on, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that kind of talking him through the game. And obviously it was pretty good apart from that the Madrid goal, but it was pretty good. But it just, they're, they're the little interesting things that you pick up in the stadium. The fact that, you know, they weren't showing everybody else like that. There was a bit of like, come on, Gabby, come on, Gundo, you know, when they, when they didn't do the right thing, but there wasn't kind of that coaching through the game as there was with Cancelo. And that kind of shows you, you know, the, the kind of the feelings of the coaching staff towards this guy. Obviously they trusted him because he started, but it was more like a kind of, well, we need to talk this guy through the game a bit. And those little things that you notice in the stadium, those little frustrations, um, it's just so fascinating. Um, but the other side of it is this, the the joy. So, you know, when City scored the first goal, there was it was so loud, the celebrations. It goes back to your first question about, you know, City feeling ready and confident in the Champions League because it did feel like a proper game. Like Obviously, obviously there wasn't um, fans in the stadium, but it did feel like so much more of a game than even the Liverpool game did. And like any of the other games when City played really well, because like I said before, I was a bit kind of concerned from City's point of view that they played a lot of exhibition games and that Madrid had played a lot of must-win games. But this was like a proper, proper game. And I think they knew it. You could see how how important it was to everybody. Um, and when we go back to the mentality and the belief that I mentioned at the start, I think that's when you really, you can say that, that those are the important things because they knew how important it was and it was so tense and kind of so nervy. Um, and they, they, you know, they put up with that. They put up with the Real Madrid pressure. They put up with the occasion. They carried out the game plan. You know, there's a new game plan. They carried it out. And yeah, it does look like, you know, City are ready. I'm not saying they're going to go and win it, but I'm not I'm not going into it thinking, oh, they're in real trouble here. Like last year when they went, they beat Schalke 3-2 with that Sané free kick and the, the Sterling goal at the end. I, I actually wrote, um, and it's difficult to kind of go against public opinion. And, you know, it's difficult certainly to write a negative piece on like a positive night. But I actually wrote, I was like, there's no way they're going to win the Champions League if they keep playing like that. And that was the fear that they would. But they're not, I don't think they will play like that. You know, they might they might concede a stupid goal. They might miss their chances. But the the overall idea... It's much, much more grown they up. Are. It's there. You're right. Yeah, they it, they are going to Lisbon. And I do feel, I do feel like they're ready to, to win it. 
Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you've got the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com forward slash Y, that's W-H-Y, and pay the postage of just £4.95. And if that wasn't enough as a listener of our show, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's ten free beers. Beer52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft brewery. They're now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands and they deliver your beers straight to your front door. You don't even need to leave the house. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in as well. Just go to beer52.com forward slash Y, that's W-H-Y, to get your free case. And don't forget right now, listeners to Why Always Us get two extra free beers. Sam, I want to touch on the uh, the two goals that City scored because everybody will will pinpoint in on Varane's mistakes. How much of those mistakes were down to the pressure that Gabriel Jesus was putting on him? Though? Well, yeah, Jesus. Obviously, Jesus is great. I think Guardiola said he's the best presser in the world. In fact, that's just given me an idea to plug an article I must have wrote about nine months ago about how and why he's such a good presser. I might do that. Yeah, I'll plug that again. Um, but it's everyone. Um, the, the mad thing, and look, I, I didn't read the full article because I haven't got a time subscription, which might be a bit hypocritical. <laughs> you know, please continue to sign up to the Athletic. But Graham Souness did a column, and obviously, you can read the intro, and I will get around to it. I get, a, I'll be able to read it tomorrow. And he was saying, it was, oh, you know, when you think about City, you think about Aguero's goals and Sterling's dribbling and De Bruyne's passes, but you don't think about the pressing. You know, nobody talks about that. I was like, what the hell are you on about? Like, nobody talks about City's pressing. Like, where have you been? I remember Jeff Sterling said that about Barca in like 2012, I think. <laughs> I know that's eight years ago now, so it does sound like a long time. But I was like, what are you on about, Barca? Nobody talks about Barcelona's pressing. They've won like 18 trophies in the last three years. Like, where have you been? And it's, just, it's the same thing. So the Sunes was was praising the pressing. I will have to read the full thing because it's just incredible how he thinks nobody talks about their pressing. Um, but what I will say was, to be fair to him, and he probably just say this, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and I'll say he does say this in the article. It was, you know, the, the pressing hasn't always been there this season, has it? as we talked about a lot. But it was there, you know, in terms of the intensity and in terms of like the intelligence of it. I've read a couple of, you know, tactical breakdowns of how they did it. And I'm just watching the some of the highlights back now as we speak and, and I will do again, the pressing, they didn't have anywhere to go. Like they couldn't. And, you know, I listened to Zidane's press conference and he said a couple of times, he said, we missed something. He said, particularly in the second half when we were in the better team, we missed something. And I'm thinking, well, was that, you know, you couldn't get Cruz and Modric on the ball. They just couldn't, you know, they couldn't work the ball out. Um, and City were really good. And to go back to those chances where, you know, it's got four or five seconds to develop and you think they're going to score now. It's because City were really good at getting their men in areas. Um, yeah where they could get at the defence straight away. And that, the one, the one, the the one for me, the, the, the one that I really enjoyed was when you watch the second goal back um, more more than the first one, as Jesus is running out Varane, you can see him, you can see the moment the penny drops where he goes, I'm not. I'm going to stop chasing him now because his eyes are on the ball. I'm going to chase down the goalkeeper because that's where I think it's going. Yeah, and it just like it, and he, it, it's just so perfect when it, 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 there's a slight variation in his run. And suddenly he's onto the ball, and it's just it, it's just that intelligence that I feel like that's not been there in other games this season. Well, this is it, and I mean I don't want to go on off go off on a Gabriel Jesus tangent. And basically, we've talked about him a lot, and I, I tweeted about him the other week. I was like, we have this conversation like every three months because he's either great at one point or shit at the next, and that's just how he is. Like, um, 
perceived like on on twitter basically there's there's neither you know there's ne- there's never an opinion in the middle it's always one or the other um but it's stuff like that and you know when people say city don't have a plan b or guardiola doesn't don't doesn't have a plan b to show them this game i mean you could show them hundreds of others the crossing is like the most obvious example of a plan b of a different approach but this you know a false nine and um, they used um edison was kicking long balls but you know normally when edison kicks a long ball it's like oh god there's a space over the top i'll go for it but he was going for it much more often city were winning the second balls you know all of this stuff is city thinking differently and going about things differently of course i want to keep the ball that's the main idea if you think a plan b is literally just park the bus then you're an idiot basically you know there's so many different things they can do and there's so many different things they do do this was a great example of that and then to boil that down into gabriel jesus he gets a lot of stick in brazil because you know Guardiola says he's so good at pressing and he's so good off the ball. And like Tichi, the Brazil coach, says he's so good at, you know, defensively and that kind of stuff. And he brings so much to the team. And obviously in Brazil, they're wild for football. And, you know, not all of them have always got the most sensible opinions. In fact, to be fair, you can say that about any country, certainly in the <laughs> UK. But in Brazil, it's just so wild. Like I've got a lot of Brazilian mates and it's just like so um, polar opposite, you know, some of the opinions sometimes, you know, it can, it can change in the blink of an eye, but they, you know, the memes in Brazil, you know, they take the piss out of him. Like, well, if he's so good defensively, then paying the center back and all this kind of stuff. But it's like when Guardiola says he's the best oppressing in the world and Tichi says he's so good off the ball, it's moments like that. Do you realize? And that, you know, what what level of top, what experience of top level football have we got? Nothing. You know, we think pressing is, if we had to press as a Sunday league team, it would just be run towards the ball when they've got it. It's yeah, not, right. no more intelligent Charge, yeah. than that. Yeah, it's no more intelligent than that. There's no, we don't take into account the triggers. I mean, look, there'll be people listening to this who will know that, but by and large, no one's taking into account the triggers. Nobody's taking into account, you know, pressing from pressing from the blind side. You know, I'm a fine one to talk because I, I could mention another ten examples, but I don't even know because I don't even know. But I try and you know pick up on what people are saying. I try and pick up on what people are doing, and that's exactly what Jesus did with that. You know, there was that split second where he thought, "Well, there's no point in me pressing anymore. I'm going to go after the ball." And it, it's just little things like that which is so difficult to spot, and which always go in Jesus's favor. And it's so, and that's why I link it to the things that people don't spot with City's game, with Guardiola's game and this this other thing, you know, it's not just, you know, Gabriel Jesus isn't just a good presser and scores the odd goal. City aren't just a team that keep keep possession. There's so many other things they do that you really need to pay attention to see. And it all came together really for both of them on the night, even though, yeah, there was a few missed chances and, you know, their Madrid's goal wasn't great, which we may talk about. And, you know, Jesus, I can't even remember now. Jesus wasn't the worst for missing chances, was he? I know there was that one that Courtois saved quite well. Um, but just it all kind of, all of that stuff came together. You know, it was so such a, a complex performance. And, you know, the, the idea that, oh, I'm going off on the major tangent now, and I'm always really wary to do this because it just looks like I'm, I'm basically being paid by Guardiola to do good PR for <laughs> when people When people say, like, I, I, again, I don't go into like these sweeping comments normally, but, if people say Guardiola's not a good coach or that he's overrated or whatever, or just he's just relies on money, they're genuinely idiots. Like genuinely, genuinely idiots. Like because there's just there's so much to it than that. And look, if if we were gonna have a conversation, like if somebody wanted to put forward good points and not bullshit point scoring points on Twitter that why Jurgen Klopp was a better manager, I could have that debate. I could have that discussion. I could I could maybe say, you know what, you're right. I could maybe you know if somebody says Guardiola's not in the top five managers of all time because they name the other five and they go through this and that, I could maybe say, okay, well, I'll certainly have that debate. It's never I, in I good faith though, is it? That's the thing. I, no, that's the thing. It never is. But I could have it. You know, there will be people out there 
who I could have that debate with, I'm sure. I've not seen any of them, but um, <laughs> it's never in good faith. No, it's always, oh, well, he can't do that because money. And again, Real Madrid, they've got great players. Maybe they're a little bit old now, but they've got great players. Benzema had that one chance and he took it. Um, well, okay, he had a shot in the first half that was well saved by Edison. But if they were supplying him all night, it'd have scored a hat-trick. But they weren't supplying him all night because you know City really outplayed them. And you don't just outplay them because they've got a load of money because they've got expensive players. That's literally not how football works. It was it was a great performance. And that go to go back to the what I was saying before, this is why I think they are ready now because it's not they're not just turning up in Europe and doing stupid things. And look, against Liverpool, when Gundogan played on the right hand side, they got blitzed a bit and they were a bit unlucky. But obviously they were chasing they were chasing back for that first goal. I think when Salah was marginally offside, if I put it that way, it's easier to remember. But they were chasing back. City do not want to be in that position anymore where they're chasing back. They want to limit that as much as possible. They know what they need to do. Guardiola knows what he needs to do now. And look, they might not win because it's knockout football and something mad might happen or, you know, they might miss chances. Yeah. They might or deflection or whatever. But yeah. they're, they're, they're just, and I know I'm going back to that, make that same point again, but for me, I think this is significant. People might not care what I think because they thought this all along. But I've never thought really for the last couple of years at least that City are ready to win the Champions League but I do now think that and it's because of stuff like this and it's because of those you know the understanding of Jesus and that kind of thing they just they just need to put the chances away or at least keep creating enough chances you know if they create 10 and score 2 then it might be enough but we've seen even against a team like Real Madrid they can create 10 chances like how many did De Bruyne create on his own it was like 8 or something like he created 8 chances in one game against Real Madrid that was just absolutely mad yeah, and it's it was more than uh, I think it was either more than Madrid had, had created or more than anybody had created in a in a Champions League game for X number of years. I, I missed the I missed the stat, but it was it was remarkable numbers anyway. Mm. Um, David Silva's cameo from the bench on Friday was the final time he'll play competitively at the Etihad for City, and it takes him to four hundred and thirty five appearances for the club. One more will take him into City's top ten. Two more would see him pass the man in 10th, former City defender Willie Donachy. And I've been speaking to him to find out how he'd feel to be passed by Silva. I'd be honoured if he, just to be talked about in the same breath as him is an honour for me. Because he's been a fantastic player for City, won so many things. It's been brilliant for the club. But his just behaviour on the pitch has been superb. What a gentleman, unbelievable skill. And since... Guardiola has been there, he's, he's, he's added goals to his game and everybody in the game respects him and loves the way he plays and loves him as a person. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be delighted for him, especially in the modern day when loyalty isn't so prevalent. To make that number of games at one club is fantastic and I'm, um, well, envious of him but really pleased for him. I was going to say as well, if, it, if City progress in the Champions League and he, and he gets two more games, that, that's you out of the top 10. Is that, is that, is that going to hurt? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I, I had a fantastic time at Man City um, and nothing will take that away. And I'll, I'll be pleased if they get more and more players like that, especially, as I said, in modern society where there's a lack of loyalty, it will show that Man City are being successful when they're looking after the players, so I'll be delighted. And of course, uh, when when Silver arrived at City, it was uh, back in you know we're talking back in 2010. Now it's a decade ago. Um, everyone at the time was talking about that the players these these have come to City for the money, and you know that that's it. Uh, this kind of this proves otherwise, doesn't it? 
Absolutely. I mean, even if that was the intention in the beginning, uh, once they get there and see what a great club it is, what a great city it is, I mean, obviously, to stay there like Vincent Company and other people like that, they, they grow to love the club and love the place. So even if that was the initial intention, it didn't work out like that. Like everybody else, you know, they, they, they realise such a warm place, friendly place, and um, with the success as well. And people don't realise the, the fan base that Man City has. I mean, I've always felt in Manchester it's just as big as Man United. Um, and when they get there, they realise how big it is, how good the people are, how great the fans are. And that's what keeps them, makes them stay. What do you think it, it, it says about David Silva that he'll be in the top 10 appearance makers uh, with, with one more game? Just because, like you say, like in the modern era, I think I think after you, the only other the, the only other player that's that's kind of a, a most modern era is is Paul Power. Yeah, you know, it, it says a lot about him as a person as well as a player because loyalty, you know, as we just said, is unusual in present times, but it's a it's a great attribute, um, but it shows that it's a great club as well. So, but for him, it, it doesn't surprise me at all because he comes across as that sort of person who gives everything he's got every game. And the, the other nice thing about him, he seems to enjoy playing. Um, which it's a great example for young players and all the fans and everybody. That was uh, Willie Donachie speaking to me there. Um, Sam, that picture that, that Silver posted on social media after the game, the black and white one looking out onto the Etihad pitch, it hit me a lot harder than I was expecting. <laughs> uh, have you not learned your lesson? You said that about when he, when he I know. Um, went off against Norwich. I, know, I, did, I, I, thought, I thought I'd be fine, but apparently not. You know, um, he's like, It's just, uh, we've done a couple of shows on him in the last few weeks, so uh, really do go back and, uh, and check uh, on the podcast feed if you've missed them. Um, it's Just quickly though, Sam, it's looking like uh, Lazio um, for, mm. for Silver next. Uh, so there's maybe the chance of a, of a Champions League dream reunion there. Uh, yeah, and it... it I wonder. I've only just thought of this, but I wonder if the fact that it's still sky blue was appealed to him. Um, yeah. Um, annoyingly, I was I was told Italy had come into the the conversation the other week, but I couldn't get anything more than that, and I just kind of left it as, oh yeah, Zabaleta always wanted to go and play in Italy, but he's not so sure at the moment, and that was it. And now it looks like Lazio. Um, yeah, um, he's not doing the Iniesta. To be fair, I think he wanted to do the Iniesta thing of travelling miles away and not um, having to to play his his club. Um, again in the future but obviously with the, the global situation now he wants to one stay a bit closer and two he, he still wants to win a lot of money so I suppose if um, I kind of assumed it would be one of the Milan clubs on that basis because they still chuck it around even though they're not necessarily that good I'm not sure what Lazio's financial situation is like um, but I just I don't know I think he still wants to play at the top level but he's kind of decided you know oh, oh, the earliest I heard about him wanting to play at City for 10 years was I remember being in Napoli in 2017. I did a story on him signing the contract that he would take him up to his 10th year and then he'd go. So I knew he'd been thinking about this for a while. But I saw his dad did an interview in Spain the other day and he said he'd, he'd been planning to do 10 years since the very start. I know Willie was thinking there maybe at first he came across for the money and then fell in love. But it sounds like sounds like he'd always planned to do 10 years, which is incredible, really. I mean, maybe that's a bit of sugarcoating after the event. Um, but it does seem like he's so stubborn. <laughs> he, he wants to do the 10 years, but he still wants to play top-level football, which yeah. is a bit of a strange one. But at the end of the day, new experiences and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think I would 
probably do that as well at the end. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? To it's impossible even to put yourself in those in those shoes. Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, coming up next, we're going to be talking about the game with Leon. So stay with us. Now, as soon as City's game was over, fans were breathing a bit of a sigh of relief that Juventus were out at the hands of Lyon, setting up a quarterfinal tie for City with the side that was seventh in League 1 when it was abandoned and against a team that's had one competitive game in five months, which they technically lost. Uh, so am I being a bit overconfident with that, Sam? Uh, well, no, because again, just to briefly go back, I think everybody now rightly feels City are in a good position to go and win it. So there's the optimism from believing in your own team. and. Yeah, there's also that natural element of you know, this is opening up. Um, obviously, not not too much because if City do win, then like four days later, they have to play probably Bayern Munich, and even if not, then it'll be Barcelona or Messi. So it's not going to be easy. <laughs> but it's a bit like that, you know, the World Cup for England fans in 2018 when you start to look ahead and think we could win that, and suddenly, you know, it's a semi final, um, and that's City in basically the exact same position. Um, yeah, um, Leon Leon is, did beat City at the Etihad last season though, and there well, was a two all yeah, draw in France. Yeah, the thing is, and I mean, I, I did tweet that, and they, I did, I did tweet that they're one of the best teams that City have played. Um, and yeah, the two all draw in France. To be fair, Lyon deserved to win that as well. Um, and I, the thing I remember about that was late in the game, not even that late. It wasn't like they were chasing it, but not enough. I can't remember if it was fifteen twenty minutes to go, but they had like five men up on the halfway line ready to attack. And you can imagine Guardiola thinking, I might have said this before on this podcast, but you can imagine Guardiola thinking, I've never, I've not had to deal with this for a while, if ever. Um, and I, that does make me think, you know, this this is going to be very, very difficult. But on the other hand, we say it's last season. It was two years ago, basically, just shy of two years ago, that game. And they have got a different manager. Um, they've turned over a few players. Obviously, Ndombele isn't there. Fakir isn't there. Uh, Mendy, the left-back, isn't there. Um, but you know what Leon's like? They keep churning them out. That's why, you know, people buy from them so well. And that's why they're always in the conversation. Um, so they've still got good players. They've got Rudy Garcia... Who's obviously a different manager, and he seems to have made them a bit more defensively solid. I think that's what a lot of people are saying now about Leon, and this, you know, that's that, not that, great for City. But I was at, say, at the that, end of the that, day, that news it, scares me because yeah, like Arsenal, Southampton, they were two very good defensive performances from yeah, the opposition. I know, but at the same time, if it had been the same manager and the same approach as it was when they played last season slash two years ago, that would be just as worrying in terms of you know leaving five men up and causing City problems on the break or. You know, just taking the game to City, that would have been also a worry. So whichever way you look at it, it's a game that it's not much analysis in this, but it's just a game that City have to win. And yeah, it's not it's not ideal. You know, if City were playing Atletico Madrid now, you'd be thinking, oh Christ. And if they play them in the final, I think I've said this before, but if you if they're playing Atletico Madrid in the final, no matter how well they would have done to get there, you'd be thinking, oh, what, how, how are City going to carve out a chance against this lot, let alone score a goal? Um, so yeah, I mean that is that is the bit of the worry with Leon, um, but it's a bit like every every kind of cup draw in the Champions League, which isn't one of the top teams. It's like you know, in fact, it's not even just when it's City. But if you've ever watched a, a Champions League draw and then listen to like the CEO or the sporting director or whatever give an interview afterwards, they're always like. Oh yeah, well we can't take anything for granted. Blah blah blah. But everybody knows that they are, they're obviously delighted, and they obviously could have been much worse. And the bottom line is, it could have been much worse. And City should definitely be thinking that whether they're very good defensively, or whether they're going to leave five men up and cause them problems on the counter, or whether they've got Depay who can score goals, or whoever it may be, City should still be winning. I do think that. There is, I mean, there is also the argument Leon deserved to be there. They've they've they played well against Juventus over two legs. 
Yeah. Um, and also, I suppose the other big thing, you know, we were talking about the mentality and stuff going into it in terms of City having a lot of exhibition games. Maybe that was unfair, but it, it felt like that. And, you know, Madrid playing meaningful games. In the end, it didn't matter. The other thing now is the kind of the physical side of it. And I mean, to be fair, maybe with the way that City managed the squad all the way through, making so many changes, they will be fresh. And you don't know if that's going to benefit Leon. The fact that they played two proper matches, one being the cup final where they drew nil-nil with PSG. And then again, you think, oh, well, they, you know, they didn't, they didn't let PSG score. Um, and then obviously they, they didn't exactly keep Juve out, but they did enough. Um, and you just think, are they going to have a fitness advantage or are they not going to be as sharp? So it's kind of a, a great unknown, really. It's a bit like, are they going to be really good defensively or would they take the game to them or whatever? You don't really know. And basically, whatever it is, is it's 90 minutes and City are just going to have to come up with their game plan. You know, we're speaking now on Sunday, Guardiola would have probably had a good 12 hours looking at how they play. And, you know, it'll work something out. And if they can put it into place, um, as well as they did against Madrid, then they'll be in a... A great position and then it's going to come down to all those little details that he mentioned before the Arsenal game where we talked about you know throw-ins and set pieces and concentration and all that kind of stuff because if they put if they get the right game plan and they put it in place then it will be those small details that it comes down to as I suppose we saw against Real Madrid. Well I was, I was gonna say I hadn't actually thought of the conditioning side of things but when you think about how Leon's game with Juventus had gone and the fact that, that Leon were battling to get themselves through and the fact that City I mean as we said at the start of the show kept Madrid at arm's length for a good portion of the game they weren't expending as much energy in that in getting into this tie and it's like it, it could be the point where it where it tolls maybe I don't know. Yeah I, I, don't, I honestly like that like I say I, I'm, not, I'm not sure um, and at the end of the day these things they are always factors, but they never get talked about anyway. Um, if City win and win 3-0, nobody's going to be saying, unless like they were falling over with crap, nobody's going to be saying, oh, well, Leon, they haven't played so much. So it's probably that. And if City lose, they're not going to be saying, oh, they played loads. It's probably that. Because at the end of the day, nobody knows. And you focus more on the mistakes or the great goals or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a talking point to go into. It's a bit like, you know, when you've got a game abroad or like in pre-season and everyone's talking about the pitch being crap or before World Cup, everyone talks about, oh, well, the flights and the train stations aren't ready or whatever. And then they get to the football <laughs> and no one's asked again. It's going to be like that. We're not really sure about the fitness, but... The base camp's miles away, yeah. Yeah, ex- yeah exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be the, the 90 minutes. Yeah. How, how far Real Madrid, uh, how far Real Madrid, how far is City going to have to travel from their base in Lisbon to the stadium where there'll be traffic? That kind of stuff, you know. It, it, it's small factors, but at the end of the day, it's it's what happens on the pitch that people focus on and... And again, to, to to go back to the old point, you know, you, you would feel City are ready. The only issue is it's just, you know, taking the chances, keep staying switched on in defence. Yeah, uh, cliche alert now because uh, Aguero is facing a race against time to be fit. Uh, what's the latest? Is he going to make it, do you reckon, Sam? Oh, I mean, he's still in Barcelona and it's like, so how long has he been out for? Was it the Burnley game when he got injured? That was that was only just after the Arsenal one. So that was ages ago, still in June. Um, so as much as anything, he's not been training with them. Um, it'd probably be, you know, keeping up his fitness. But, you know, I can't imagine he'll be... Wait, I don't think he's going to play against Leon anyway. Um, and then the next game's three days later. So, um, four days later. Because it's, it's, it'll be Saturday to the Wednesday. Um, and then there's the final on the Sunday. I mean, look, may, look, maybe if he's back with the group for 10 days and he's okay, then... If City get to the final, and look, this is you know, this is the kind of unconscious confidence everyone's got now. All of a sudden, they're talking about a final. Um, then he might he might be ready for that. But I tweeted yesterday on Saturday. You know, meniscus problems are, you know, they're really difficult. Um, you know, Mendy's had problems with it before. 
um, you know, ACLs, um, you know, obviously you got longer out, but once your ACL is mended, it's mended. You know, these days, it's not the it's not the problem it was 20, 30 years ago when it would end your career. Once it's mended, it's mended. Um, but a meniscus, you know, they take a bit of cartilage out of the knee and then, you know, that cartilage is used to kind of absorb the shock. And when that's out, you kind of got bone on bone going on. Um, and that means that you can be feeling great, but all of a sudden, if there's that friction there, it can flare up. And that's where yep. you get the knee swelling, why Mendy's not playing. You know, Mendy will be playing and all of a sudden he's not playing. You go, what's going wrong with him? So, you know, even if Aguero was to be fit and come back, you know, there might just out of the blue be some swelling that would keep him out. So, um, yeah, I, I don't expect to see him too much in the Champions League. And I mean, I don't want to throw too far ahead. And he, it might not be as bad as Mendy's one, but I'd keep half an eye on him next season as well because the first couple of months could be difficult. You know, if he's not well rested enough, um, you don't want, you don't want to be putting too much load on that knee in case he struggles with the swelling, and you don't want him to, you know, you don't want him to be limping through his a potential last season with City. So. I think I said this before, would you rather have him back and him play the last game ever for City in the Champions League final? Or would you rather keep him? But I think it's not a stupid scenario like that. I do think they should manage him sensibly. And if City were to get to the final without using him, you know, they'd be well within their rights to stick with Jesus and Sterling and Foden or whoever else it might be, Mares. So, um, yeah, I'm not expecting to see him too much, to be honest. But um, I suppose, fingers crossed, that they get to the final and he will, he will be able to play. But... Yeah, I'm not expecting too much at the moment. Uh, finally then, Sam, because uh, you mentioned Mendy there, uh, he's obviously back from suspension. He's uh, not injured as far as I'm aware. So uh, is he likely to be back in for, for Cancelo? This is interesting because it goes back to, you know, that kind of the attitude towards Cancelo with the, from the City staff. You know, it's not it's not like somebody's coming in for Carl Walker now because they'll just go, well, Carl, Carl Walker's going to play. It's They're obviously thinking, well, he needs his encouragement through the games, but they, they are still thinking he's good enough to play, obviously. But given how well Mendy did in the first leg, defensively, you know, they told him not to attack too much because what I was saying earlier, they don't, they don't want to leave huge spaces. And he did that. He was disciplined enough to do that. And then in the last 20 minutes, he said, right, you can go forward a bit more now. And as good as, you know, as generally solid as Cancelo was, I don't think he offered anything going forward in terms of an output anyway. You know, he was there. He was occupying the spaces. But the balls into the box, the shots, they weren't really there. I'd rather have Mendy doing that. And I think he's he proved in that first game that he can be defensively solid as well. I don't think they need to encourage him and, and tell him. I know people don't have a great opinion of Mendy's defensive abilities, but I think my reading of it is they trust in him more. And I think if he's fit, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Mendy started. Um the only thing is, when was the last game you played now? I can't remember. But I think it's like, it'll be like two weeks since he last played anyway. So in terms of match fitness, I think a lot of it might depend on how he trains. And you know, maybe that swelling issue is still there. We don't actually know because he was in and out of the team the same as everybody else during the Premier League restart. Um, so he's definitely in the frame. If he's ready, if he's fit enough, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he started. Um, obviously, Cancelo did, did a good job. Um, but I just think they might favour his kind of being a, a, just a bit more adept more natural offensively. Yeah, and just natural, yeah, because going forward, when he did, when he can go forward, if he puts a ball into the box, I know he was doing this in the restart and people weren't gambling on it anyway, but if he puts a ball into the box, that's that can be the difference. You know, Foden might play false nine again. He might actually be in the box this time and he might tap it in. You know, it's that kind of thing rather than Cancelo cutting back. You know, he cut back the other night and I was, what's he going to do with his cross? And he just like, put way too much on it and it just like, bounced by the, the far touchline and went out for a throw. It's like, what? What is that? And obviously, he is a very good crosser, but um, he didn't really show it the other night. And if you're taking that into account, 
I think if it were up to me and Mendy was fit, if both players were 100% fit, I'd play Mendy personally. I can't tell I was good, but I would, I'd rather play Mendy. I wonder if the coaches will go with that. Yeah, I think Guardiola might uh, might think the same as well. If he can get a couple of dangerous balls into the box in a, in, in a tighter game, let's say. Uh, well, that's it for this week's Why Always Us. You've been listening to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much. And to me, David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic now with a 30-day free trial by using the code MANCITYPOD. Mm-hmm.